Friends, a very good morning to all of you. Uh, yeah, sorry I couldn't join you guys last week for New, New, Year's, New Year's Eve celebrations. Uh, if you didn't hear, I got COVID second time. And wasn't too bad. Uh, the, the worst part about it was I had to be quarantined in my room, separated from my wife. So uh, that was the most miserable part. But anyway, I'm okay. Uh, thank you all for, for praying. Let's come to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, uh, that you give us the privilege, the opportunity, not just to worship you together, but also, Lord, that you have revealed your word to us. You have given us your book of life, instructions on how to live. And so, Father, we pray that you inform our faith. Help us, Lord, to be convicted of all the truths that you have in store for us today. Thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, to kick off 2024, I want to do a quick exercise with you. Close your eyes. Okay, close your eyes. I can see. Uh, uh, anyone's eyes still open? I can see the whites in your eyes. Okay, close your eyes. All right. Now, what is our church's vision? Uh, don't open your eyes, I can see, don't cheat. <laughs> uh, okay, our church's vision is nurturing disciples to be a spirit-filled, impactful church. Uh, okay, can open your eyes. Okay, our lay leader's voice very loud. Okay, good. Okay, so you can see here, lah, all right? It's been here, if you haven't noticed, for years and years. Uh, this is our dream. All right, that Penang Trinity would be a spirit-filled, impactful church that is made up of disciples that are nurtured. Okay? Now, we, we, so, so remember that, right? That that is the direction, that is the dream for our church. Okay, this time, no need to close your eyes. What is our track conference vision? <laughs> Uh, okay, so for those of you who are newer to our church, uh, the, Eng the English-speaking Methodist churches belong to what is known as a conference, uh, Trinity and a Conference, okay? Short T-R-A-C, track, okay? So we belong to the track conference. So all the English-speaking Methodist churches belong to this track conference. So what is track's vision? It is uh, blinking, not connecting. Uh, next for me. Thank you. It is to come, follow, become like Jesus. Okay? Say this with me. One, two, three. Come, follow, become like Jesus. Okay, so this has been the, the vision of track uh, our conference since 2018. Uh, we, we go in, our conference goes in quadraniums every four years, uh, like World Cup like that. So 2018 to 2022, one quadrennium. And then the next quadrennium uh, for the next four years also is still the same vision. Okay? So the past seven years, our track's vision has been for every member in our track churches to come, follow, and become like Jesus. And in order to fulfill this vision, there are four essential components for us all to have in our lives, personally, and also as a church community, okay? And they are, firstly, personal growth, secondly, building community, thirdly, a voice to our nation, and fourthly, a vision for the world. Okay, so January has four Sundays, and so we'll be looking at one of these four essentials for the rest of January before we move on to another sermon series for the year. So today, next slide please, we are looking at the first essential of personal growth, to know Christ and to become like Christ, okay? And so over the next few weeks, we'll look at the other three essentials. So this first essential of personal growth, uh, it, the, the scripture that guides it is taken from Paul's letter to the Colossians. So we'll be looking at this uh, Paul's letter to the Colossians. And so a bit of background. When Paul wrote this letter to the Colossians, he was responding to a false teaching. Now, how do we know this? Next slide. 
because if, if you, you can also open your Bibles and check. Lah. Okay, Colossians chapter 2, uh, verse 2 talks about complete understanding and knowing the mystery of Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So Paul is saying, uh, be certain in what you're believing in. Make sure it's Jesus, not some other thing. Okay? And then in verse 4, Paul says he writes all this, the whole letter of Colossians, uh, so that no one may deceive by fine-sounding arguments. And in verse 8, same sentiment. See that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. So the passage today, Colossians uh, chapter 2, verse 6 to 7, is set against the background of correct understanding and belief, not being swayed by false teachings. Okay? So coming to our scripture passage today in verse 6, uh, where Paul encourages his readers, just as you have received Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, and he tells them, how do you live your lives in Him? In verse 7, he says, Be rooted and built up in Him. Be strengthened in the faith as you were taught. and Overflow with thankfulness. And so the big idea of this passage and my sermon today is that Christians must keep growing in Christ. Okay, so if takeaway message, not take photo, forget anything, this is one thing to remember. Christians must keep growing in Christ, not just grow one time, not just, uh, uh, as long as you're a Christian, there must be a continual progression in Christ, okay? So we'll be looking at how we can grow in Christ by looking at three parts of uh, verse 7, which is being rooted and built up in Him, being strengthened in the faith, and overflowing with thankfulness. Okay, first one, be rooted and built up in Him. What does it mean to be rooted in Christ? Now, what do roots do? How many of you do uh, gardening? Very knowledgeable about plants and green stuff. Okay, quite a fair number. Uh, for those of us who are not so familiar like me, uh, quick herbology lesson, okay? Herbology 101. Roots have four primary functions, okay? So I'll use the example of a tree, lah, okay? Uh, roots absorb water and nutrients okay, to feed the, the plant or the tree. Uh, roots will store this water and nutrients. Roots will anchor the ground, uh, anchor the, the, the plant or the tree to the ground and support it. And then also roots will help with reproduction. Okay? And so what this tells me with my very limited understanding of how trees are supposed to work is that if a tree doesn't have any roots, what will happen? Strong wind blow? Fly away, right? Uh, it will easily topple. Uh, and without roots, will the tree be able to survive? Where does it get its food? Cannot. Not from the sky or the birds, right? It will wither and die. So roots are essential to the life of a tree. But having roots alone will not ensure a healthy tree. Let me tell you a story. There was once a woman who lived next to a stream. Next slide. She couldn't see the stream directly from her house, but she could hear the gentle flowing of water, and that brought her peace. It was very idyllic for her. What she could see, however, was a majestic old tree next to this stream. And it was hundreds of years old, solid and thick with green leaves. And even in the driest of seasons when rain refused to come, the tree would remain lush and healthy. And so she would often look out the window and admire this grand old tree. One day, however, she noticed the tree, the leaves on the tree started turning yellow. And she found this strange because... This is in Sangkwailo country, okay? Got summer one. Okay, so summer had just begun. And she, she thought that, you know, it's, it's not the time for leaves to wither. She thought maybe the sun is playing tricks on her eyes. She didn't think much of it. But the next day, the leaves were brown and the branches sagged. And so this alarmed her greatly. She went out to examine the tree to see what was causing it. 
but she examined, looked all over the tree, looked at the trunk, so at the least she cannot find any damage on the trunk. Uh, nobody was cutting it down. She couldn't find any parasites on the tree. She didn't understand. Why was the tree suffering? In a few days' time, the leaves were completely gone. The bark on the tree began to rot. And so the, the woman sat before the dead tree, very sad, because she loved this tree, right? And then as she was sitting there grieving, she noticed a strange smell. And as she followed her nose, she found the source of the smell, which was the nearby stream, which was flowing with chemical waste that was illegally dumped by a factory that opened further upstream. And so the roots of this tree had been drawing water from the stream nearby, which was now polluted. And so the tree's source of life became the source of its death. Now, what, what does this story illustrate? We live in a world that is corrupted by sin. We live in a world that is not always following the ways of God or pointing towards God. And if our roots anchoring us are in anything in this world other than Christ, it will cause spiritual decay and barrenness in us. And so when we put down roots in anything else that is not Christ, we run the risk of being uh, experiencing spiritual decay and spiritual barrenness. But having our roots our, our lives rooted in Christ, the source of living water, it will guarantee a spiritual, a good spiritual health. It will guarantee a fruitful Christian life. Or as Jesus puts it in John chapter 15, verse 5, he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so when our roots are in anything other than Christ, we can do nothing. When we are rooted in Christ, we will bear much fruit, right? So Christ must remain at the very core of our lives. That's what it means to be rooted in Him. The things that keep Him in the centre of our lives, being fed by His Word, depending on Him in obedience, remaining close in our relationship with Him, not wandering away from Him, those are things that keep us rooted in Him. And so the first thing we need to do to ensure in our journey of personal growth uh, is on the right track, is to make sure that this journey of personal growth is in Christ. That we don't just pursue personal growth and growth for growth's sake, right? Uh, at the start of the new year, it's, it's uh, very common for us to set goals and we say we want to grow uh, this way, that way, this way, that way, usually not sideways, but you know, we, we want to grow our bank account, we want to grow our uh, skill pool, talent pool, we want to grow our dividends, whatever, lah, right? And so we set out with these goals that we want to also improve ourselves or make all kinds of resolutions, lah. Uh, go gym, lah, diet, lah, you know, eat healthy, lah, all kinds of things. So we set these goals of personal growth for ourselves. But if we neglect to have these goals rooted in Christ, then we are just growing in any direction, right? And so we need to ensure personal growth is in Christ. Not just in power of miracles, not in the company of other Christians, not even the busyness of good works. All good and important things, but they must never replace Jesus himself. Jesus must remain the centre of it all. And we are also guaranteed that if we are rooted in Christ, we won't be blown about by every direction, in every direction by every wind of false teaching. That's what Paul warns against in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. Right? That to guard against false teaching, we need to be mature in our faith and knowledge of Jesus to be rooted firmly in Him. So what does being rooted in Christ look like? Very abstract concept. Uh, let me give you a practical example. Huh? You are clearing your leaf, okay, let's say uh, near the end of the year. Next slide. You decide to take a trip to Genting Highlands. Uh, how many of you enjoy Genting Highlands? 
okay, one person, <laughs> two persons, okay, I, I also enjoy every now and then. So, you, you decide, okay, you want to go uh, Gunti Highlands, you want to go to theme park, lah, okay, not casino, ah. you want to go theme park with your family, go enjoy the cool weather. And so, you're out for, uh, you, you go, you enjoy a full day of rides, uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's uh, exhilarating, and you feel like, ah, oh, this is such a nice holiday, and then you decide, okay, come, we go to a restaurant for dinner, right? After you have a very satisfying dinner, you come out of the restaurant and you bump into somebody who is waiting outside. And they are, they, they look like an ordinary uncle, lah, okay? They come to you, they give you a story how they have gambled away all their money, right? They haven't eaten, they don't have enough money to buy any taxi or, or bus ticket back to their hometown. They need money. Okay? Now, what goes through your mind? I suspect we may think some of these things. Lah, okay? uh, we may think, sure or not, true story or not, you really gamble away all your money or you want even more money to go and gamble. Right? Uh, actually, you still got money. Or... Another thing that may go through your mind, how many other people has this person asked? Uh, maybe they are going around collecting money, many, many uh, different sources. Uh, and of course, you know, maybe they will take the money to go and gamble some more. Or is this a distraction so that someone else can pick my pocket while I'm talking to this person, right? Or this isn't my problem. Find somebody else. I'm trying to enjoy my holiday. Go and bother somebody else. Or pretend I don't know how to speak English. Uh, I cannot understand what they're saying. I'm a Japanese tourist. You know? uh, gomen no sai, wakarimasen, gomen, gomen. Uh. Or maybe you know, they, they look and sound very genuine. You believe them, you decide to help them. Or, or maybe it doesn't matter whether they're genuine or not. Just give, la, you know, can afford it. And they leave you in peace, never mind. True or not, just give. Can, can identify with me in these different, different ways you might think, right? I'm not going to tell you how to respond. But being rooted in Christ means that the decision of whether yes, I will help you or no, I won't help you is not based purely on whether you believe them or how you feel or what others think. What Jesus teaches, what Jesus would want, what Jesus is guiding you to do is a big part of your decision-making process. That is what being rooted in Christ looks like. And so the first thing that comes to your mind isn't, mm, how can I get rid of this person? Or, mm, do I have enough money? Or, what excuses can I find? It is, what does Jesus teach about this? What should I be doing? How should I conduct myself in a way that will glorify God? Right? Not to say that you disregard every other thing in terms of wisdom, line. does that person look genuine? Line? He's wearing a gold watch and he's got cash falling out of the pockets and he's still asking for money, right? You don't disregard all those things. But Jesus is at the centre. Your life is rooted in Him. And so, it may not necessarily make your decision easier, but your decision is based on the Jesus that you love and follow. Not just what you think, what you feel, your circumstances, external pressure, don't want to be rude. Not just those things. Right? And so that's just one example of what rootedness in Christ looks like. And so if the roots determine the health of the tree, that if you're rooted in pollution, your tree will die. You're rooted in clean water, you will thrive. The new year is a very good time a spiritual checkup. And so what does your tree look like? Your spiritual tree. What does your tree look like? If you examine your spiritual life as it is today, the kind of fruit you've been bearing, or maybe the lack of fruit you've been bearing, what does that tell you about what or who you are rooted in? Something for us to ponder at the start of this new year. Now, on top of being rooted in Christ, Paul also talks about being built up in Christ. The original Greek word for being built up 
means to build upon something. Okay, in other words, building upon a foundation of these roots in Christ. But not just about having roots and foundation in Christ, but also building upon it, growing, progressing, becoming more mature. And so this is directly related to the next point about being strengthened in faith. One key area of personal growth we need to address is the area of faith. Because being a Christian is not just about knowing about who Jesus is, it's not uh, just knowledge, head knowledge and facts, right? Anyone who has studied in a mission school can tell you who Jesus is, what he did, what he is famous for, right? And so being a Christian is knowing Jesus personally, which means having faith in him. Not just, being, not, not just believing that Jesus is a real person, that he was a historical person, or that Jesus is God, right? That he has that status. But also responding to that conviction. Living your life under the Lordship of Jesus. That Jesus becomes your boss. So it's not just about your beliefs about Jesus that are affected. What you believe about your life, what you believe about this world, what you believe about other people, those are all affected by the teachings of Jesus. That is the Christian faith. And so, there is a prerequisite, a requirement for growing and strengthening your faith. And that is, there must be something to grow and strengthen in the first place. <laughs> okay? So, we cannot pursue, uh, we, we cannot pursue being strengthened in our faith if there's no faith in the first place. And so, what I mean by this, if you find yourself forcing yourself to pray. Next slide. You find yourself forcing yourself to pray or forcing yourself to study the Bible when you totally don't believe what you are praying. You don't believe what you are reading. You don't believe that God is really listening. If you are approaching these things as mere activities that don't really matter to you because you don't believe in them, then you need to make sure that you have actually received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. Not just because you identify as a Christian, that you come to church, your parents tell you you're a Christian. Right? You need to make sure you have a personal relationship with Jesus. So knowing about Jesus, knowing about the Bible, being in the same place, doing the same thing every week, none of that requires faith. All of us can be here every week doing the same thing. It does not require faith. And so we need to, we all need to make sure that we have really made that decision to follow Jesus as the Lord of our lives. That we have a living faith that can be grown, a living faith that can be strengthened. And so if you've never actually made that decision to have faith in Jesus and you want to do something about it, come talk to me later after service, okay? Now, don't misunderstand me. Huh? I'm not saying that if you have doubts, like the slightest doubt, you're not Christian. I'm not saying that. Okay? After all, Paul is encouraging us to strengthen our faith, meaning that our faith can become weak. Okay? And we can end up with doubts. But these doubts uh, just make us more vulnerable to false teaching. Next slide. As I mentioned earlier, in this letter, Paul is responding to the issue of false teaching among the Colossians. And so when our faith is weak, when we have doubts, we become vulnerable to false teachings. And these false teachings can be very obvious. They can come in the form of uh, different, totally different beliefs and worldviews. Atheism, right? God doesn't exist. Or another religion or belief system. Some other God, some other religion. Or some cult teachings or that somebody else is God, right? But that is not all. False teachings can also be more subtle. In the case of the Colossians, uh, the, the church at Colossae, they were being taught some extreme form of Judaism, the, the faith of the Jews, combined with some early form of Gnosticism, 
which basically is like the the belief that oh only matter is important, spiritual uh, sorry, only spiritual things are important, what you do with your physical body is not important. If you have secret knowledge, then you you unlock uh, salvation, you know, that kind of thing. And so some of the false teachings that were being taught is that oh, worship the angels, uh, live in a very restrictive way. Okay? And so they, was, they were Christians, but they were taught some of these extra things. Right? So today, false teachings can masquerade as Christianity, but without dependence on Christ. How is this possible? Let me give you some examples. If you ever hear that you need to do something before you die in order to enter heaven, other than uh, believing in Jesus. So maybe you hear, oh, uh, I have an uncle who's a Christian, he's about to die, need to go and pray some last rites or else he won't enter heaven. Or need to anoint with oil, need to serve communion, need to wear something, need to arrange the body somehow at the funeral. Uh, those are false teachings. How, how, how do we know this? Because we are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. No other extra thing. Right? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9 tells us clearly, right? We are only faith, uh, saved through faith, not through any works, anything that we can do, so that none of us can boast that we have earned our salvation. Or if you hear about people saying, okay, so following the same theme of funeral and people die, huh? uh, someone who just died, their spirit is haunting the funeral parlor, or their spirit is haunting the house, uh, they, they appear as a ghost somewhere, they are remaining on earth, their spirit has, is not at peace, not rested, still going around, right? They need to do something to appease, appease their spirit. This is also a false teaching, right? The Bible teaches that after death, man faces judgment, then there's heaven and hell, right? There is no intermediate roaming around period on earth as a spirit. But the Bible does talk about evil spirits that seek to deceive us by masquerading as other things, right? Another example, I know of somebody, not in this church, I won't say what or who, no details, but they wanted something so badly. They really, really wanted something, but they didn't trust God to provide it in their timing, uh, in His timing. And so in their desperation, they started believing in the word of faith teaching. You know that one? Uh, that if you have enough faith, you can name and claim God's promises according to whatever you want. So if you have enough faith, you can make God fulfill His promises according to how you want, exactly when you want it. Right? And so, in, his, in their, their desperation, they latched on to this false teaching and they could not see that it was false. Right? And so these are all false teachings that can creep into even the lives of Christians. So what's the best way to combat these lies? Do you ask the liar to stop lying? Do you try to examine the lies until you can disprove it? No, the, the best way to combat lies is to be even more familiar with the truth. I think Pastor Ronald has used this example, this illustration before, that those who study counterfeit money, do it pausu, okay, fake money, uh, they don't study every single way that fake money can look like. Okay? They don't go and see, uh, see the nose can be funny. Uh, see the, the signature is wrong color. Uh, look, look, this line, this line shouldn't be there. They don't go and study all the different, different millions of permutations of how money can be fake. They study the genuine bill, the authentic original. They study it so well that they can tell at a glance something is not right, right? That this does not look original because the nose is funny or because it's got a weird line or whatever, okay? So, this is what Paul means by being strengthened in the faith as you were taught, 
Because knowing the faith that the Bible teaches us, the faith that is Christ-centered, strengthens us against false teachings that are not Christ-centered. And so we want to be so familiar with the truth of the Word that we instantly know when something is not right. So, again, uh, not one of the most popular questions that pastors always get is, this one can, that one cannot, right? I shared that before. Not just me, uh, but online also, you see those YouTube pastors, right? They do those Q&As, and it's always about, uh, this one can, this one cannot, uh, is, this, is this good, is this not good? Uh, and so, you can answer those questions for yourselves if you know the truth of God's Word well enough that you can recognize when something is wrong. Right, that's why we've been encouraging, next slide, our church every year to go through the one-year Bible reading plan. Because knowing the truth begins with knowing your Bible. You cannot trust anything but your Bible to be the ultimate source of truth when it comes to matters of faith and God. You cannot just take the preacher's word for it. What if the preacher is preaching wrongly? What if he lazy, he didn't do his preparation? Right? Or, or what, what if he consulted the wrong resource, preached wrongly? Right? And so if you don't have the discipline of reading your Bible for yourself, you end up depending on others to tell you. And they can teach you wrong things. I remember uh, very early on, I think just at the start of entering seminary, uh, I was attending a Bible study class in, uh, I won't say what church, I was attending a Bible study class and the Bible study facilitator, the teacher, was, we were going through Genesis, okay? And then we came to this part about the Nephilim. Uh, have you heard of that word, right? And so, okay, there are different theories like, uh, who these Nephilim are, right? That after uh, Adam and Eve disobeyed God and everything, and then progression in the in what happened to mankind. Uh, one of the thing is the the sons of men uh, had relations with no the sons of God had relations with the daughters of men, right? Something like that, and then Nephilim, right? And so this this Bible study teacher was teaching about was telling us that oh these Nephilim are God's second creation, okay, that because Adam and Eve uh, disobeyed God, he created another bunch of race, human race, that are called the Nephilim, and so they're like a uh, superhuman, that kind of thing. Uh, I immediately, all my warning bells, la, <laughs> because if that's the case, then what, what, what happened to this Nephilim? What, what about sin? Uh, where do they go? Are they saved? Uh, uh, what about original sin? So all those things, right? So you cannot just trust your small group leader, your pastor, your whatever uh, mentor to just tell you things and you keep going, them to them, going to them for questions. You need to know your Bible for yourself. If you read your Bible for yourself, you may not understand everything at first, but the more you become familiar with it, I think all of us can, um, can agree with this true experience. The more you immerse yourself in the Word and the study of the Word, the more you understand, the more truth is revealed to you. The Holy Spirit in you reveals you the truth. And it's also one of the big ways that God speaks to us personally. So, if you haven't joined the one-year Bible reading plan yet, it is not too late. I know today is the seventh, la, one week already, eh? but don't worry about it. Don't worry about catching up. Don't be OCD like me. Okay? Don't, oh, I joined on number, day number seven. I have to do day one, two, three, four, five, six. And then after you miss a few, oh, I have to start again and do. Don't do that. Just read every day. Okay? Follow a plan, read every day. Make it a habit. Uh, you can go to this link on your browser, bit.ly slash tmcbible2024, or you can scan the QR code. Uh, we're using the Bible app, 
on your Android or iOS device, uh, you can join the plan there. Okay? Even if you are, uh, your, your eyesight is not good, you can listen to the, the Bible read to you through that app. Okay? If you don't know how, you don't know how to join the plan, uh, you can, after service, come and ask me. Look around you, see all the hair still black one, you go and ask them. Okay? Uh, we should be able to help. Genuine black one. <laughs> so, keep growing in the faith. Keep growing in knowing Jesus and His Word. Okay, be strengthened in your faith. Uh, thirdly, be overflowing with thankfulness. This is often how Paul teaches us when it comes to thankfulness. Not just, uh, make sure you remember to say thank you. Huh? He, he's always talking about a, a very uh, extravagant expression of gratitude and thankfulness, overflow with thankfulness. Uh, in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, he, he also tells us to give thanks, not just for one thing or some things, but in all circumstances. Right? And so this is not just about praying prayers of thanksgiving, which we should do regularly, but it's an attitude that we come before God with. It is an attitude that we adopt for the process of our spiritual growth. One of the greatest dangers of any sort of growth or progression or development is a sense of superiority and pride. Uh, so you know, la, uh, if you have ever tried any teachers here, got teachers, if you teach something, whether it's an instrument or a subject or a sport, uh, okay, you know, like, those kids, right? Once they learn a little bit, what well, they think they know everything already, right? And then they start trying to show off uh, what little they know. And when they have that sense of superiority, like, oh, I know everything. No, 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 you don't teach me. I show you how, you can, how I can do this. It becomes a huge, a huge uh, barrier to learning and developing. And so in the same way, even for our spiritual lives, there's a very real danger of knowledge puffing us up to feel superior and better than somebody else who doesn't know as much as you. Right? Somebody who hasn't spent as much time or as much effort as you do in reading or studying the Bible or reading Christian literature. Uh, so there's a very real danger that we can feel puffed up. Right? Or we might become so familiar with God's Word that we become complacent. And we assume nothing left to learn. And so you, you ask, uh, Pastor asks you, join uh, Bible Reading Plan 2024. Ah, I already read through the Bible 10 times already, Lord. Uh, 50 times already, Lord. I know everything already. No need to learn, nothing to learn already. Right? Or, oh, going to preach on this sermon, uh, scripture reading is this sentence, uh, I uh, heard a sermon about it already, I already know this topic, already know, right? Many times in our Christian journey, learning is not about discovering something new. Let me say that again. Uh. Many times in our Christian journey, learning is not about discovering something new. Many times, learning is about applying what has already been learned in our heads, right? Or relearning something that has been forgotten. You remember the, the wilderness, uh, the, the Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years? They were, even after that, into the, the period of Joshua, Judges, Kings and all that, they were all continually learning and relearning the same thing, the same covenant, the same laws over and over and over again. They had to be reminded and reminded and reminded. And so feeling like we know it all as Christians can become a very real barrier to growth in areas where we have not grown or we have not grown enough. And that's very ironic because one of the main things that the Bible constantly teaches against is pride, right? And so having a posture of thankfulness, gratitude, is one of the best antidotes for pride. Because thankfulness to God keeps things in perspective. It reminds us we did not deserve God's goodness. 
we did not deserve Him revealing His truth in a book that we can easily access. It reminds us that we, we don't deserve His goodness, His sacrifice, His salvation, His forgiveness, His grace. It reminds us God is the source for all that we are thankful for, not ourselves. And so, being thankful keeps us humble. But we still need to be careful that our thankfulness is not pride in disguise. You remember Jesus' parable about the Pharisee and the tax collector, right? The Pharisee uh, was thanking God. He said, God, I thank you. I'm not like these other people, <laughs> robbers, evildoers, adulterers, even this tax collector. Thank you, I'm not like him. Thank you, I'm better than him, right? And so we need to be careful that our prayers of thankfulness are not contrasted with somebody else's mistakes or misfortunes or tragedies. And so having a spirit of thankfulness also helps us to, to keep us from becoming bitter or discouraged. It forces us to keep looking for what God is doing amidst our desires and expectations. It reminds us that His ways are higher and better than our ways. So don't just grow in your faith or knowledge. Grow in your ability to be sincerely thankful in everything. In conclusion, friends, as Christians, we must keep growing in Christ. If you call yourself Christian, you must keep growing in Christ. You must never come to a point where you are satisfied, you have grown enough, you are mature enough, you know enough, you are close to God enough. We must keep growing in Christ. We must grow in our dependency on Him, we must grow in our faith in His truth. We must grow in our thankfulness to Him. And this growth comes as we deepen in our relationship with Him. We encounter Him in prayer. We know His Word. We live our lives in obedience to Him. Now, the church has a role in all of this, of course. The church has a role to teach, to encourage, to equip to provide avenues and platforms for us to love and serve each other and so on. But the primary responsibility for personal growth lies in each and every one of us. Let me repeat that, huh? listen to it carefully. Huh? The primary responsibility for personal spiritual growth lies in each and every one of us. We can never say, it is somebody else's fault that I am not growing in Christ. You know, say the church not doing enough, never do this, never do that, never, never. that's why I never grow in Christ. Okay? Uh, we are personally responsible. If the church is not doing enough, go help become part of the thing that you can do more, right? Or uh, if that church really charmed, really corrupted, or really on the wrong path, go find another church, whatever, right? you are responsible for the personal spiritual growth of your life. The church cannot force you to come to worship regularly. Right? The church cannot force you to pray. Church cannot force you to read your Bible. Church cannot force you to love others. You are responsible. And so, we have personal responsibility for our personal relationship with Christ. And so, I want to end with this question. If you carried on living exactly how you are currently living, and you can use 2023 as a point of reference because it just ended, right? So if you spend 2024 living exactly like how you lived in 2023, what would 2025 look like? Would it result in personal spiritual growth? in 2025. Not just economic growth, huh? uh, not just physical growth, or not just even ministry growth. Would the way that you're currently living result in spiritual growth by 2025? In how often you come before God in prayer, in how much 
time you spend reading, studying His Word, in how many times you apply what you have learned in faith, will what you're doing now result in some sort of spiritual growth by next year? And if your answer is yes, right? but are you satisfied at the rate of spiritual growth you are experiencing? Are you satisfied with how much and how fast you're growing and how it's helping you to follow and become like Jesus? If your answer is, if I continue doing exactly what I did this year as last year, 2025 will be exactly the same. If you're not growing, or if you're not satisfied with the rate of spiritual growth that you're experiencing, then what is one thing that you plan to do right now at the start of this year? One thing that you want to put in place, not just see where you can fit it in, but put it in place still early in the year, your calendar not filled up, huh? put it in place at the very top priority and then you order things around it. What one thing will you do? What discipline will you start? What habit will you stop? What unnecessary time sink will you replace? What is one thing you can do right now at the start of this year to encourage personal spiritual growth? And so may we be spiritually ambitious. May we never stop growing in Christ. So I'd like you to know that Christians must keep growing in Christ. This is part and parcel of the Christian life, to keep growing, to keep maturing in our faith until we are like Jesus, which doesn't happen until we return to glory. I'd like you to be a life that is rooted in Christ and overflowing with thankfulness. What does your tree look like? Where are your roots laid? What are you feeding your tree? I'd like you to do all you can to strengthen your faith. Know Jesus and His words so well that you are able to not be blown about by false teachings. What's the one thing you're going to do to develop your faith? Let's pray. I'd like to give us all an opportunity to respond to the Lord. If you do not have faith in Jesus, if you have never had that personal relationship with Jesus and you learned about Him, you know about Him, you go about the things that surround church, but you have never really spoken to Jesus as though He was your Lord and Saviour, I like you. I want to invite you to take that step of faith now. To say, Yes, Jesus, I believe in you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to have a genuine and living faith. I want to live a new life in Christ. Will you do that now before the Lord? Lord, I want to pray for those who come before you and admit and acknowledge that they are not sure about their faith. Lord, I pray that you give them this assurance that, Lord, if they seek you, they will find you. And so, Lord, as they lay their hearts before you, saying, yes, Lord Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Saviour. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to order my life around your ways and your teachings. Lord, would you guide them? Would you show them the way? Thank you. If you have faith, but you do not see the right fruit in your life, I'd like you to respond to the Lord. Would you ask Him? Ask Him that He would help you to be rooted in Christ, not in anything else. Ask Him to help you to be strengthened in the faith. Would you respond to Him to strengthen your faith and be rooted in Him?
Lord, I bring to you my brothers and sisters who acknowledge and recognize that they are not seeing the right kind of fruit in their lives, especially spiritual fruit. They have not been yielding love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. They've been following their own desires. Lord, would you help them? Would you help them, Lord, to be rooted in you, to make the painful decisions to reorder their lives at the start of this new year, to be rooted in Christ rather than in other things? Would you help them, Lord, to be strengthened in their faith even as they seek you and pursue you, as they fill themselves with the reading of your word and spending time with you regularly? in walking in obedience to you. Lord, will you honour their desires to be rooted in you, to be strengthened in your faith. Thank you. If you are already tending to your spiritual life and you expect to grow, then I also want to invite you to respond to God. Would you thank Him? Thank Him ask that, he would ex that you would experience his spiritual blessings, ask that you would yield spiritual fruit and that you would be overflowing with thankfulness throughout all this. Would you respond to him? Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters who earnestly are seeking you, that they have made that commitment regardless of what may have happened in the past or what last year might have looked like, they've made that, res that resolution, that commitment, that covenant to follow you closely, to order in their lives after you, to seek after you. Lord, would you honour? Would you honour them? Would you help them to experience your spiritual blessings, to be aware that they might be thankful? Will you fill them with a spirit of thankfulness and gratitude that they would overflow even in how they interact with others. Thank you. And so, Lord, I commit all of us into your hands in the very different places that we are uh, through in, in this entire congregation, that, Lord, we are all coming to you in all sorts of different places, some with no faith, some with little faith, some with much faith. Yet, Lord, we all sit at your feet. You are Lord. We are not. And so, Lord, will you strengthen us would you help us to grow, to never stop growing as your disciples, as your followers? Thank you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.